Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Welcome to this edition of the Padres On Deck Podcast. This week, Bill Center of Padres.com and John Conniff of Mad Friars are joined by Padres International Scouting Director Chris Camp. We're taking a look at the Cuban and Venezuelan prospects in the system, the youth across the system, the talent that currently makes up the Tri-City Dust Devils, and much more in this edition of the Padres On Deck Podcast. Good afternoon, Padre fans. This is Bill Center, and welcome to this edition of Padres on Deck, the podcast. Uh, I'm joined today by the uh, Padres uh, Director of International Scouting, Chris Kemp. Good afternoon, Chris. How's it going, Bill? Good. It's going great. And of course, uh, my co my uh, cohort from uh, MadFriars.com, John Conniff. Uh, John, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Bill. How are you, Chris? Ed, I'm doing well. Been a pretty good week in the uh, two weeks in the Padre system. We're getting close to September call-ups, and uh, we're going to start today's conversation uh, with Chris. And uh, Chris, you're all things international, so if uh, you want to update us real quick on the uh, Padres, uh, the the international players in the minor leagues. Uh, it seems like it's, we're on a really good run here. If you could give us an overview, we'd appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I guess um, you know, off the top of my head, we're you know really excited about the you know the five Cubans. Um, you know, obviously there was a lot of work and, and homework and and scouting process that went into those guys, and you know, obviously their stories, you know, leaving their families and and, and you know coming from Cuba and then the political situation down there, so. You know, kept a close watch on, you know, Baez and Morion and Ronald Bolaños, who had a great outing last time out, Jorge Oña, who you know, has been very consistent for us, and then uh, Osvaldo Hernandez, um, who had a, a nine-strikeout outing. So, you know, really excited about the development um, of those five Cubans. You know, and then I think you look at a guy like Henry Henry, who uh, was 93-96 in the All-Star game uh, in the Northwest League. You've got Andres Munoz, who's been 96 to 100 his last couple outings. Um, and then you look at a guy like Luis Patino from Columbia, a little under the radar, uh, who went five innings, no hit last night uh, in Arizona. So, you know, I could keep going, but, you know, there's a, we feel really good about the depth, um, the early returns so far um, in the last couple years of international signings. You know, let's talk a moment about Patino because – not a name that a lot of people, I mean, everybody is following the Cubans. 
This is a 17-year-old Colombian uh, right-hander. Yesterday had a very interesting line, and I know you've looked at the film. Uh, He allowed a run, no hits, no walks in uh, five innings. He uh, hit a batter, and there was a balk in the second inning. Which So how'd the runner get around? Yeah, I think just like you said, I think there was a hit by pitch. Um, you know, I think there might have been like a ground ball that advanced a runner, uh, you know, a balk, and then then maybe another ground ball. You know, so it was, you know, just kind of worked out of some a little bit of traffic on that. But you know, they go five innings, no hits. Uh, the seventeen-year-old in that league, you know, notorious offensive league. You feel pretty good about what Patino is at right now. You know, on the film, he was working ninety-one to ninety-four uh, with a slider that was eighty to eighty-three, and I think you're seeing a kid uh, starting to find himself a little bit. You know, he was a converted shortstop out of Barranquilla, Columbia, and um, pretty excited about what Ben and Sam have been able to unlock that guy. Interesting that last week or over the weekend, Andy Green actually mentioned the fact that he was in watching film on a 17-year-old Colombian pitcher, which I would imagine is Patino. <laughs> When the yes, manager sir. that far along mentions that he was in watching film on a on a seventeen year old, that says something about the uh, young man right there. It does, and I think it probably even says just as much about Andy and in showing how involved he is in our process and believing what we're doing at the lowest level as far as acquiring the talent and seeing their production even in Arizona. So, you know, for Andy to be paying attention to a guy like that, you know, makes me feel proud because you, you know we're in this thing for the long haul, and you know, hopefully in the next three to four years, you know, Coutinho will be on the mountain pet code throwing for Andy. Go ahead, John. I, I, had, a, I had a quick question. Chris, this is John Connors from MadFighters.com. I talked mm-hmm. to you uh, last year about Adrian Moorhawn. I just was up there, and I got to see him pitch and, uh, with the Dust Devils. And uh, I hope you could kind of retell the story about you were kind of the guy that led you guys to decide to go over slot. And from what I recall, you saw him put, throw about one inning, and you were kind of convinced in a 15 and under world championships. Is that kind of, is that true, if I, or am I getting yeah. that, that wrong? No, yeah, well, it was actually, you know, it was actually after Adrian had defected from Cuba. Um, <laughs> you know, the, I never saw him in the 15 and under. I was still with Texas because he threw in August of 2014. Um, or so when he defected from Cuba and made his first showcase, first time I ever laid eyes on him in the Dominican Republic, uh, he threw one inning. It was ninety ninety three, and it was it was something that I hadn't quite seen out of a kid that that age from a left hander. And yeah, for that first inning, I vividly remember calling AJ saying, "Hey, you know, get your butt down here, grab Coach Welke while you're at it." Grab <laughs> Logan White, you know this is this is going to be our guy, um, and then that kind of started the ball rolling as far as that that class and the process that went into that class. I have one more you know, question. I, you know, people talked about ahead, the velocity with him, and mm-hmm. um, but the thing is, everyone always talks about most with him is his poise. Is that the first, is that the biggest thing yeah, that you noticed? It is, yeah. and I I just saw it. John, I mean, I was in Fort Wayne for his first outing. That was the first minor league game I've seen all year. Really haven't come out of my scouting shell. You know, we, we want to keep adding on and we keep, keep looking to the future. But, you know, I made sure I went to Fort Wayne to watch Adrian. That was a big moment for him, big moment for me to, to see him throw on that stage. And, 
Yeah. You know, the stuff was great, but, it, it you know, he'd strike out a guy at 94, 95, and he just walks around the mound like he's been doing it for 20 years. You know, there's, like, no sweat, and he's really not phased by anything. Chris, how tough is the assimilation for the teenage, the, the younger kids coming from Cuba to the United States? Is that a mm-hmm. different type of assimilation than you would have, say, with a player from the Dominican Republic or Venezuela? I think the biggest thing, well, you know, I think Venezuela is another topic we can discuss um, later on. But, you know, I, I do think that the kids coming from Cuba, it is a little different because I do think there is that possibility where these guys might not ever see their family again, okay, based on just the political situation and, you know, visa stuff and, and them really not being allowed to go back to the country. And, uh, yeah, I do think it is a little different. And I think all five of these guys, you know, in our scouting process showed us to have, you know, plus makeup and, and above average toughness where we believed in them as far as their work ethic. And, and, you know, they've all got a goal and a vision in their mind. And, and right now they're all going to get it and they're going together. And it's fun to watch. How do you, I mean, are there, is there a special program involved at Fort Wayne that you, uh, that you deal with the, the assimilation of the Cubans or I'm sure you just, they're not out on their own. No, no. I think that, that, you know, goes back to our whole development crew, you know, from Sam Ganey, Mark Pryor, um, you know, all those guys involved, you know, we, we run a lot of coordinators, uh, a lot of guys from the office in and out of Fort Wayne and, and our coaching staff there led by Anthony Contreras. Those guys are doing a great job. I mean, I was just in the locker room after the game and, it's you'd already feel like these guys are adapted and, and have been here a long time, you know, and it's it's a very natural, comfortable feeling in that Fort Wayne locker room right now. It's it's fun to be a part of. There's they've certainly taken off. John, go go ahead. Okay, I got a quick question. Is one thing, and you might I'd really like to hear what you have to think about this, Chris. Is when I've watched some of the Cuban players um, perform compared to the Dominican guys. I mean, it seems like the Cuban guys are a little more advanced and then the coaching from the program they came from. How do you kind of compare just for the five guys you have, the Cuban guys, to a lot of Dominican kids that you're scouting and eventually signing? Um, Yeah, I think, you know, one thing we've learned, you know, at least I've learned, you know, in the last three years in this, um, you start to dig and ask questions about the process in Cuba and, and how these players are found and what they go through. Well, you know, they have a specialized school where where kids start training and they focus on one sport um, and their education level and their education process is probably a little further ahead um, just as far as a society and government standpoint in Cuba where, you know, these guys are, are being trained at a very young age and specialized um, in a very structured, disciplined program. Um, so I do think that gives them a little bit of an edge um, versus some other places. You know, you mentioned Venezuela, and the Padres have been very active in Venezuela. Um, yes, sir. A little tough right now, I would imagine, for a young Venezuelan when he is also dealing with what's going on back mm-hmm. in the native country and their families. How, how is that affecting what you're seeing on the field at all? Well, I, if anything, it's, 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 it's almost a byproduct. It's creating some hungry, motivated players. 
Um, it's creating some toughness. And the guys that we're signing out of Venezuela, you know, they're, they're playing their butt off, and they're all working hard. And, you know, the, the country by no means is easy right now. I was just down in there, and it's not a safe place. I won't be going back for a while. Um, and uh, it's, it's very difficult. And, you know, I have a lot of respect uh, for our scouts down there, for all the young players coming up here in the future, the trainers. Um, it's just very, very difficult right now down there. Um, but we're going to keep scouting. We're going to find a way to, to keep adding on in that country. And um, our thoughts and prayers are with all the families of our Venezuelan players that are down there right now. You've got some really good Venezuelan uh, prospects, too. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I would imagine they're almost, uh, I mean, the class is almost as big as the Cubans. I'm probably bigger. What are mm-hmm. a couple names out of that class? Um, well, yeah, from last year, you know, you're looking at Justin Lopez, who's the youngest player in the Northwest League right now, 17-year-old switch hitting shortstop, who's, you know, he's battling. You know, I think for a kid his age, be out there hitting 250, 260, and, and playing solid defense, you, you feel really good about where he's at. And you look at Gabriel Arias, who could be the best player out of everybody in the Arizona complex. Gabriel's hitting around 280, playing good defense. Uh, you got Kelvin Melian from the 2015 class, uh, who's doing some things in Northwest League. You got Ronaldo Ilarasa, who's one of the youngest players in the Midwest League as an 18-year-old. Um, you know, so that little group of Venezuelan infielders uh, we're, we're very proud of right now uh, as far as their development. You know, when the season ends, uh, will mm-hmm. they be going back to Venezuela? Or are you are you planning on maybe keeping well, all these guys here over the winter? Well, that's that's something me and uh, Ben Sestanovitz were talking about about ten minutes ago. You know, it's you know, I think you know there's we've got the option of keeping them in Peoria for an extended time. You know, hopefully the the situation can calm down a little bit. And in Venezuela, you've got you know we can send them to the DR complex and they can keep training um, in the Dominican and, and keep training. You know, we I think we're just going to play it by ear. You know, we've uh, we've got our, our scouts on the ground informing us daily of kind of what's going on. And so we're just going to have to ride this thing out into the fall and, and use our best judgment to keep our guys safe. I, that, that is, I don't know if you've ever probably dealt with a situation like this uh, before. No, it is it's scary. It's scary. I was just down there. I'm telling you guys, like you're talking about roads being blocked, streets barricaded. There's, there's, uh, there's a lot of danger in the streets right now, and, and I went to three different towns, and you know it's uh, it's not something I want to be sending our players back into right now. So I think mean, we'll play it by ear this fall, and you know, hopefully things uh, settle settle down. Uh, one more, be Chris, before we let you get going, I'm I'm taking up mm-hmm. some of your time here. Would you like to fun. discuss the current signing class? The uh, the class that uh, you know we started signing in July. Uh, who are some of the names to watch next year? Who might be in Arizona? Uh, the pipeline uh, begins yeah. with uh, question mark. Yeah, and no, I think the the one guy uh, off the early returns right now. This is all kind of a personal favorite of mine coming into the class, and he's been he's been performing well down in the complex uh, and some simulated games. Is uh, Jerry Landines. Uh, he's a 6-3 switch hitting shortstop uh, from outside of Barquisimeto, Venezuela. Um, you know, Jerry's a guy that, that's going to show you a plus arm 
It's it's an easy swing from both sides, and I think once we add on to that six three frame, you, you've got a chance to to be something pretty good. So that that name is really jumps out, and then you know, another Venezuelan outfielder, uh, Angel Solarte, uh, who hit a couple home runs down the DR last week in some games. Um, you know, true center fielder, I mean, the six five, six six runner. He's got a sixty arm, and uh, you know the tool set's something to be excited about. Considering you know we're, I guess, under penalty, you know, couldn't sign anybody for more than three hundred thousand, and to land a couple guys like Landines and Solarte, we felt pretty good about. I have one more question before Chris goes. Mm-hmm. And Chris, you know, you're talking so much about how. Uh, how dangerous Venezuela is at the same time mm-hmm. the Padres under the penalty for two years. Is it a possibility that you can get some really good value for uh, the players that you're yeah, seeing? Yeah, you know, I'll give you, you know, Jerry Landine, I think, is a prime example. Um, a smaller town kid in Venezuela, and I kept going in there. You know, I, I remember first seeing Jerry, I was like, man, this is, this is kind of my guy. And their expectations early on, the, the number was pretty high. And I kept going back, and every time I'd go back or every time I'd go in there, there was no other directors around, and it's just a lot of teams have pulled out, and I kind of kept going in there and built a really good relationship with the trainer and the kid and ended up working out for us. So I, I think there is some – on one side, yeah, you can go in there and build really strong relationships and, and get ahead of some teams, but on the other side, you, know, you are vulnerable to, to some danger. So we've got to kind of walk that tight line and – I think right now we'll kind of be pulling back the reins a little bit for now. Okay. Chris, I want to thank you for joining us. I think we kept you a little bit longer than uh, no, we told you. Were, uh, we <laughs> we tend to lie like that. So hey, uh, well, guys, we can talk. We can talk baseball all day. So if y'all y'all want to call me back later or anytime, y'all let me know. Well, maybe in a couple of weeks we'll have you back. Hey, that'll work. Just hopefully the guys keep performing, then we got a reason to talk. Oh. <laughs> I, you know what? Every day I do the minor league report every day, and it's like every day there's a standout player. Uh, like yesterday, it was both Rosario's, Jason mm-hmm. and Ega, exactly. both both had good days. And it's like every day uh, there's a Patino, and it's just fun mm-hmm. to watch the uh, the Latin players in the uh, Arizona Rookie League and Fort Wayne and Tri Cities for that matter. Yep. You know, it is exciting. You know, we actually had an all-employee meeting um, here today at Petco. The first one I've been a part of. You know, obviously I'm on the road you know, 90% of the time away from San Diego. And, and Ron Fowler gave a, you know, a speech to, to all the employees and attendants and, and, you know, talking about the future. And, hey, it's the waves are coming. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to be excited about right now. So I think everybody's on board and, and excited for the future. So it's got to keep working hard. They're so young. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. <laughs> they are really young. Hey, Chris, uh, thank you very much, and we'll be talking to you soon. Yes, sir. Amazing. See you, John. See you, Bill. So, John, one of the things uh, we touched on a little bit was uh, Tri-Cities, where a lot of the uh, Latin American players uh, ha- have really been uh, – making their mark uh, this summer. I know you've been up there. Uh, you want to discuss Tri-Cities real quick. 
Yeah, I mean, the guy kind of we touched on a little bit is Warhol, and, you know, I think he's important because, you know, this is a guy that got the biggest bonus in Padres history, and so to see him doing real well there, move up and do well in the first start in Fort Wayne, you know, this is someone who I think if he puts together a solid last month in the Midwest League, we could see him at 19 and in the Cal League to start next year. I mean, he is everything that... uh that Chris talked about. He's incredibly poised and there were three quality pitches up, down, side to side, and he was a lot of fun to watch. I was able to catch his last start up there, so it was a good time. Another picture up there that uh, from from that uh, international uh, class of uh, Henry Henry, which you don't hear much of because you hear of Baez, you hear of uh, Morahan, you hear the Cubans. Uh, Henry Henry is doing very well. Uh, just uh, pitched a, a, a solid inning in the Northwest Pioneer League All-Star game. And I know you've seen Henry Henry. Well, you know, we both agree he's got a great name, one of the best names in baseball. Um, but he's pitched very well. I mean, he's gone seven innings in two of his last three starts. And when I talked to Ben Fritz, his manager, who was a former first-round pick of the age in 2002 as a pitcher, uh, he talked about the development of his slider. And that's the biggest thing. It keeps guys from focusing too much on this fastball. But, you know, he's about a good six four and a half, about 190, very athletic. So he's someone to keep an eye on, too, up there that I like quite a bit. And, of course, there are three, uh, three kids at shortstop. I think two of them are 18 and one just turned 17. Uh, that would be Malin, uh, uh, Al- um, Almanzar, and, uh, well, Arias is in. Uh, who's, who am I missing here? Missing Lopez. Lopez is probably ah. the kid that uh, that he was talking about. Uh, Chris was talking about that just turned right. 17. Probably the best defensive player of the bunch. But you know, when he kind of get asked about you know where these guys are going to fit on the Padres and you know which is are all valid questions. You know they're kind of so far away at this point. It's really just getting them acclimated to the country, acclimated to playing professional baseball. You know learning how to play PlayStation at 3 in the morning before a game that's coming up. And uh, they have a lot of talent. I mean, Lopez, you know, Lopez is in 268. He, he would be a junior in high school if he were in, in the States, which is amazing to me. And that's a, that's a pretty good level league. I mean, not even some of your top uh, draft picks make it to uh, the uh, Northwest League the first year. you got to realize that that's not – rookie level ball that's a half step above so for a 16 yeah. turn 17 year old that's quite a step oh it's no. amazing you know a lot of the guys you're just playing against are people that just finished playing three years of college so you know as you said that's a very impressive step and he would be a junior in high school like you said which is really impressive yeah. um when you I like the idea of the five cube, the five Cubans now all being in Fort Wayne, being on the same team at the same time. Uh, do you think that the Padres probably will try to move them along as a group uh, to sort of keep them together as as like their own little family here? Uh, what are your thoughts? Oh, kind of. I mean, you know, I, I remember at spring training, you would see those guys together quite a bit. Onya and, 
you know, Morajon, I know, were particularly close, you know, and along with the two pitchers, Baez and Bolaños, I think one of them is down in the Arizona League, though, right now. I think that's Osvaldo Hernandez. He was sent down from Tri-Cities. But, you know, the guy that I think we talked about a little bit um, last podcast, who just has kept on going, is, is Baez, who, you know, if anyone gets a chance to see this guy in person, I mean, this is, a monster, I and mean, this guy is, I mean, in a very nice way. I mean, he's six foot eight. He's six foot eight. Very right. solid, two forty. Yeah, I mean, just huge. And uh, he gets. I mean, right now he has a zero point nine one ERA in twenty nine point two innings, forty seven strikeouts against three walks. But I think you and I talked a little bit about this off the air, and we could go on. We're starting to see, you know, a lot of the prospects centered around Fort Wayne and. It's low A and San Antonio in the double A level. Uh, they could have, they have a chance to have two teams go deep into their postseason runs in the, particularly the way Fort Wayne's playing in the second half. And San Antonio has dominated their division. They have two teams that could go very deep into the playoffs, into the postseason playoffs in their respective leagues. It'll be very, yeah, I mean, it'll yeah. be very, I love, I love the uh, makeup of the San Antonio team. It seems like every time they move somebody in there, Jacob Nix has just joined them, it gets a little bit stronger. I, I, I love that team, and I love the way it played after a very slow start. It picked up, but you know, at the same time, and, and you know this, because uh, you do the same thing we do, you write a daily report, is that, you know, there's been some some bumps along the way for the pitchers. You know, like Eric Lauer and uh, Cal, Cal Quantrill. I mean, Double A is a different level. You know, hitters have a little bit different approach. But what we're seeing now is kind of what you said. We're seeing a lot of talent there, and talent usually finds a way to figure things out. I mean, Lauer had a better outing last time, but Jody Lucchese has just really kept on on rolling. The strikeouts aren't as high, but you know, he's a 2.35 ERA and and five starts, which is impressive. Very impressive. Uh, you know, when we talk, there are so many pitchers in the organization, and uh, we, we saw a little bit of the first wave this year with uh, Phil Maton and uh, Denelson Lamette is up, are up here. Uh, who do you think will be the next group that uh, reached the majors, and uh, when do you think that might be, and when do you see – the uh, third wave coming in. Well, you know, I think there's going to be a brief, the, the little mini wave we might see in September. You know, credits do with Michael Kelly, who you and I have both talked about a lot in Walker Laquette. But to answer your question, I think the next wave is really going to be in the second half of next year when we see, you know, Quantro, Lucchese, and probably Lauer come up. But then I think what's kind of going to be really be fun for a lot of Padre fans, you're just going to see a wave coming like each year. You're going to see probably Knicks and Logan Allen. You know, then we're going to see, you know, probably, you know, Morhone, hopefully when Espinosa gets healthy. You know, Michael Baez. Baez. A little quicker than we want. And, you know, the guys in the Arizona League who we're probably going to all see next year in, in Fort Wayne at some time, the Padres – Selected four pretty quality pitchers that are going to be led by Mackenzie Gore, you know, uh, Sam Keating, Joey Cantillo, who I hope I got his pronunciation right, and and right. Uh, 
Bellinger. Oh, brother. Cole Bellinger, I think, will well, be a lot of fun to watch, too. And Patino. Yep. I mean, you got to put you got to put Patino in that group too. It is interesting. That's sort of how I look at it too. That the next wave is not going to be so big, and then you've got the you got Lauer, Quantrill, Lucchese. They're all going to come along at the same time, and then the the, the group led by the Cubans are going to be there. It's it's going to be a very interesting couple of years, uh, starting I think probably late eighteen and uh, nineteen twenty of guys uh, reaching the majors. Uh, and of course we all know with pitching prospects that it can, it, you know, things happen. There are injuries and there are guys that reach a certain level and don't move on. But when you've got the depth of 15, 16 guys, like I've counted, I'm sure you've counted the same number. Uh, it's very exciting for the future. Well, one thing is, have you heard, heard both yes, go ahead. For a, a long, well, you and I have both done this for a long time, and I would think you maybe you agree with me on this. Is like the difference is you know, we're not just talking about one or two or three guys. We're talking about a big group of guys, and I think exactly right. what you said is people get these guys can get hurt, just the nature of the game and how pitching is. But when there's so many that are coming, you take a look at Anderson um, Espinosa went down, Chris Paddock went down this year, and you and I still have about more guys than we can talk about in the limits of this podcast. Right. Well, we, well, we talked about that a couple you, You're not dependent on those guys like they've been right. dependent on one or two in the past. And when you lose one, and you're going to lose a couple, it's in the past it has been like a thunderstruck because that was exactly. your guy who was coming along. Right now you've got, you have, you know, you've got a dozen guys out there whose names excite me. And, uh, yes, Espinoza, Paddock, you hope, you know, you, you think that uh, in this day of Tommy John, they're going to be back. But you've got so many other guys, you're not depending on those guys anymore. And the other thing I like about the pitchers now, it used to always be pitchability guys that the Padres right. would be bringing up. And, it's, and now it's guys with tremendous ceiling. And you only need, you know, you don't need everybody to break through but you know somebody's going to break through. Yeah, I I have a good quick story on that. One year I was down in San Antonio when they had the staff. Do you remember of Weba Block and they had uh, Josh Gear and uh, oh yeah Cesar Ramos and I talked to right. Randy Reddy. They were all pitchability guys, right? Right, and not one Go of ahead. them broke ninety the whole time I was down there. And I remember asking him, and Randy Redding, who I liked a lot, he made this really good speech about, well, the first thing you look upon is location and movement and velocity is about the third. And this one pitcher who I talked to, I was explaining to him what Reddy said and how smart I was about this. And this guy, Paul Abraham, who had come off surgery, was saying, well, all that's true, but also everybody misses. And I used to throw 95, and now I throw 86. And so let me tell you the difference between missing at 95 and 86. It's a long, long home run. And that's what you see with these guys. Is all of them you know, have some serious stuff. I think that's – you put it – I remember when they had LeBlanc and Gear and those right. guys down there, and they were all the same mode. They were all pitchability guys, good location, not a lot of walks, but they had that upper limit in the, in the fastball, and, and eventually they just sort of fizzled out, although – 
Wade LeBlanc is still in the major leagues with the Pirates. Okay, hey, listen. Yeah, right, as a reliever. This is going to wrap up today's uh, edition of Padres on Deck, the podcast. He is John Conniff of madfriars.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at madfriars. I am Bill Center uh, of padres.com and also MLB uh, Blogs Friarwire. That's mlb.blogs.com Friarwire. And you can follow me on Twitter at, uh, at Padres Central. Uh, John, have a good couple of weeks. We'll be talking to you again. Next time we're talking, we're going to be talking about uh, September call-ups. And so uh, okay. start, uh, start getting your call-up list ready. We'll see how close you come, how close I come. John, been a pleasure. Fans, have a you good too, uh, couple of weeks. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.